Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has actually two titles. Quite different, but they say the same thing from different directions. The official title is Why Liberal Arts Education is Good for Everyone. The second title is How Americans Are Deliberately Dumbed Down. Okay, for the last 50 years, or maybe much longer, there has been a constant assault on traditional education. Sometimes the attack is on individual subjects. Geography? You can look that stuff up on the Internet. Reading? That isn't so important. Most kids don't need science. The attack is relentless and, I believe, disingenuous. Here's what these people are really trying to do. They want to diminish education in general, especially education that emphasizes knowledge. Sometimes the attack is all-encompassing. We hear attacks on content, on facts, on knowledge, on anything that human beings might want to know. The idea seems to be that children should play in the fields all day and stare at the clouds. In England, there was an experimental school called Summerhill where the children decided each day what they preferred to do and what they wanted to study. This approach was considered wonderful and wise by the progressives. You could be fairly sure that the children would not learn very much. That seems to be the perennial goal. In the context of this constant attack, it is perhaps natural for many people, and I was one of them, to assume that maybe traditional education was not the final answer. Maybe we did need to be open to new approaches. The education establishment has one skill, and that is undermining what has always worked so it can be replaced by bogus ideas that don't work. I could give you a whole list of gimmicks that never worked as well as what was attacked, for example, sight words, constructivism, reform math, new math, common core math, and dozens of other famous pretenders. It's the same pattern in every case. Something valuable was destroyed to make room for something worthless. Now, when I surveyed this wreck and ruin left by these progressive attacks, I began to think a counterattack was necessary. We have to give some thought to defending traditional education. We can start by being specific about what has always worked and why the replacements have not lived up to their promises. More and more, I suspect, there's not much good in progressive education. And all the good things, surprise, are in traditional education. Now, why would that be? Consider that some of the smallest people in Greece, Rome, and the European countries worked on this project for centuries. Different schools in different cities were trying to figure out what the kids needed to know and how it should be taught. It's remarkable that all these schools came up with very similar answers, which we now call traditional education. Serious schools start off with serious questions. How much math do kids need? How much history? How much reading? How much of everything? If you don't have specific answers, then you end up being nothing but a guerrilla campaign trying to sabotage education altogether. Now, I feel that the particulars of any given novel, poem, essay, history, nonfiction, and all the other things you can study are not as important as the fact that you have some specifics. Otherwise, 
curricula get very empty very quickly. So much of K-12 education is the equivalent of a low-calorie diet, a very low-calorie diet. No, what we need is wholesome, nutritious diets. The thing that's important here is the analytical processes that you learn in liberal education. These are what will carry you through no matter what kind of work you do. Let's consider liberal education and a legal education and how much they have in common. You start with anything in writing, a text. You must understand it. You need to be able to discuss it and analyze it. You answer questions about it. It's interesting to me that all of these activities are the same that you are getting, whether you're getting an MBA, a law degree, or a literary degree. Basically, you have to be a shrewd reader, a smart judge of what's going on in a text. I think in traditional education, teachers love certain literary works and they want the kids to know the names of the authors and the background of the stories and so on. All of these specifics are interesting but might be a bit of a distraction, or might be a bit misleading, because it's not the details that matter. It's the analysis of the details. When I first had this insight years ago, I was surprised because I had been in literary education all my life, and I was not inclined to recommend it to others. I said, okay, I know Walt Whitman, but is that something the average kid needs to know? See, that's an example of being misled by the details. Because what I'm saying now is not that everybody needs to know Whitman, but they do need to know some specific text, juicy text, interesting text, rich and fascinating text, if they're going to learn to extract the most meaning out of text in general. I want everyone to think about their own job, whether it's the Army or a big industrial operation or a service industry. What do you do all day? Well, you have to read reports. You have to read and understand analysis from other people. You have to be able to make quick sense of what someone else is talking about, and then you have to prepare reports that will integrate the text you're working on with other texts for other people to clarify. Isn't that the essential activity that percolates through everything in our world? This is what I mean by the details don't matter, because whether it's one industry or another, that doesn't change what it is you do when your eyes go to the page and you say, oh yeah, this guy's right saying such and such. I agree, I don't agree, and my reasons in each case. I think back now to some of the sales pitch that David Coleman made for Common Core 10 years ago, or more than 10 years ago. He insisted the text should be nonfiction. For example, something from the IRS or other government agency. Coleman wrote very lyrically about the idea, and I was almost persuaded that a boring text might be useful. Finally, I decided that this whole conversation was David Coleman showing other educators how the last remaining education in our schools could be eliminated. You find texts so boring and dense and unfriendly you will alienate even the most enthusiastic children from any remaining interest in the humanities. It really is devilish of how our so-called educators are actually anti-educators. They will nitpick on anything in order to kill it. 
They will pretend to improve history, geography, science, or whatever, but always their focus is on destruction. They want an entirely trivial curriculum. Activities. That was the cry of progressives a hundred years ago. Keep the kids busy doing nothing much. That's the secret formula. And that's how you dumb down Americans. On the other hand, I think the classical liberal arts are similar education and enables people to do the thing they need to do and often enjoy doing, namely master, analyze, dissect, and discuss any particular piece of informational text. Then you'll have better schools and a smarter society. I've thought about this from, and written about this many times in many different directions, and it's amazing how when you stand back and you start to see it because the education establishment, the professors, are geniuses at saying, oh, look at this, oh, look at this, and oh, look at this, but they don't accept the blame for what's really happening, which is that the country has gotten dumber and dumber over the last hundred years. And now you see um, man-on-the-street interviews where people don't know anything. It's quite terrifying. What, two, what were the sides in the Civil War? Uh, Germany? That's the level of where we are now. Thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep t telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lenin's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of subeducated students from K right through college. Seven, analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, 
and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.